Fort Henry by sundown. That guide. I tell you, Mr. Shepherd. Not so loud. Do not alarm my daughter, cautioned the man who had been called Shepherd. Did you notice anything queer about that guide? asked the teamster, lowering his voice. Did you see how uneasy he was last night? Did it strike you he left us in a hurry, kind of excited-like, in spite of his offhand manner? Yes, he acted odd, or so it seems to me, replied Shepherd. How about you, Will? Now that I think of it, I believe he was queer. He behaved like a man who expected somebody, or feared something might happen. I fancied, however, that it was simply the manner of a woodsman. Well, I have my opinion, said the teamster, in a gruff whisper. He was in a hurry to be a-goin' and wouldn't take no advice. The fur trader at Fort Pitt didn't give this guy Jenks no good send-off. Said he wasn't well known round Pitt, except he could handle a knife some. What is your opinion? asked Shepard, as the teamster paused. Well, the valley below Pitt is full of renegades, outlaws, and horse-thieves. The redskins ain't so bad as they used to be, but these white fellers are worser than ever. This guy Jenks might be in with them, that's all. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope so. The way he left us looks bad. We won't borrow trouble. If we have come all this way without seeing either Indian or outlaw, in fact, without incident, I feel certain we can perform the remainder of the journey in safety. Then Mr. Shepherd raised his voice. Here, Helen, you lazy girl, come out of that wagon. We want some supper. Will, you gather some firewood, and we'll soon give this gloomy little glen a more cheerful aspect. As Mr. Shepherd turned toward the canvas-covered wagon, a girl leaped lightly down beside him. She was nearly as tall as he. "'Is this Fort Henry?' she asked cheerily, beginning to dance around him. "'Where's the inn? I'm so hungry! How glad I am to get out of that wagon! I'd like to run. Isn't this a lonesome, lovely spot?' A campfire soon crackled with hiss and sputter and fragrant wood smoke filled the air. Steaming kettle and savory steaks of venison cheered the hungry travelers, making them forget for the time the desertion of their guide and the fact that they might be lost. The last glow faded entirely out of the western sky. Night enveloped the forest, and the little glade was a bright spot in the gloom. The flickering light showed Mr. Shepherd to be a well-preserved old man with gray hair, and a ruddy, kindly face. The nephew had a boyish, frank expression. The girl was a splendid specimen of womanhood. Her large, laughing eyes were as dark as the shadows beneath the trees. Suddenly a quick start on Helen's part interrupted the merry flow of conversation. She sat bolt upright with half-averted face. "'Cousin, what is the matter?' asked Will quickly. Helen remained motionless. "'My dear,' said Mr. Shepherd sharply, "'I heard a footstep,' she whispered, pointing with trembling finger toward the impenetrable blackness beyond the campfire. All could hear a soft patter on the leaves. Then distinct footfalls broke the silence. The tired teamster raised his shaggy head and glanced fearfully around the glade. Mr. Shepherd and Will gazed doubtfully toward the foliage, but Helen did not change her position. The travelers appeared stricken by the silence and solitude of the place, the faint hum of insects and the low moan of the night wind seemed accentuated by the almost painful stillness. 
A panther, most likely, suggested Shepard, in a voice which he intended should be reassuring. I saw one today slinking along the trail. I'd better get my gun from the wagon, said Will. How dark and wild it is here, exclaimed Helen nervously. I believe I was frightened. Perhaps I fancied it. There, again, listen. Ah! Two tall figures emerged from the darkness into the circle of light, and with swift, supple steps gained the campfire before any of the travelers had time to move. They were Indians, and the brandishing of their tomahawks proclaimed that they were hostile. Ah! grunted the taller savage, as he looked down upon the defenseless, frightened group. As the menacing figures stood in the glare of the fire, gazing at the party with shifty eyes, they presented a frightful appearance. Fierce lineaments, all the more so because of bars of paint, the hideous, shaven heads adorned with tufts of hair holding a single feather, sinewy, copper-colored limbs, suggestive of action and endurance. The general aspect of untamed ferocity appalled the travelers and chilled their blood. Grunts and chuckles manifested the satisfaction with which the Indians fell upon the half-finished supper. They caused it to vanish with astonishing celerity, and resembled wolves rather than human beings in their greediness. Helen looked timidly around as if hoping to see those who would aid, and the savages regarded her with ill humor. A movement on the part of any member of the group caused muscular hands to steal toward the tomahawks. Suddenly the larger savage clutched his companion's knee, then, lifting his hatchet, shook it with a significant gesture in Shepard's face, at the same time putting a finger on his lips to enjoin silence. Both Indians became statuesque in their immobility. They crouched in an attitude of listening, with heads bent on one side, nostrils dilated, and mouths open. One, two, three moments passed. The silence of the forest appeared to be unbroken, but ears as keen as those of a deer had detected some sound. The larger savage dropped noiselessly to the ground, where he lay stretched out with his ear to the ground. The other remained immovable. Only his beady eyes gave signs of life, and these covered every point. Finally the big savage rose silently, pointed down the dark trail, and strode out of the circle of light. His companion followed close at his heels. The two disappeared in the black shadows like specters, as silently as they had come. "'Well,' breathed Helen. "'I am immensely relieved,' exclaimed Will. "'What do you make of such strange behavior?' Shepard asked of the teamster. "'I expect they got wind of somebody, most likely that guide, and will be back again.' If they ain't, it's because they got switched off by some signs or tokens, scared perhaps by the scent of the wind. Hardly had he ceased speaking when again the circle of light was invaded by stalking forms. I thought so. Here comes the skulkin' varmints, whispered the teamster. But he was wrong. A deep, calm voice spoke the single word, friends. Two men in the brown garb of woodsmen approached. One approached the travelers, the other remained in the background, leaning upon a long black rifle. Thus exposed to the glare of the flames, the foremost woodsman presented a singularly picturesque figure. 
His costume was the fringed buckskins of the border. Fully six feet tall, this lithe-limbed young giant had something of the wild, free grace of the Indian in his posture. He surveyed the wondering travelers with dark, grave eyes. "'Did the Reddies do any mischief?' he asked. "'No, they didn't harm us,' replied Shepard. "'They ate our supper and slipped off into the woods without so much as touching one of us. "'But, indeed, sir, we are mighty glad to see you.' Will echoed this sentiment, and Helen's big eyes were fastened upon the stranger in welcome and wonder. "'We saw your fire blazing through the twilight and came up just in time to see the engines make off.' "'Might they not hide in the bushes and shoot us?' asked Will, who had listened to many a border story at Fort Pitt. "'It seems as if we'd make good targets in this light.' The gravity of the woodsman's face relaxed. "'You will pursue them?' asked Helen. "'They've melted into the night shadows long ago,' he replied. "'Who was your guide?' "'I hired him at Fort Pitt. He left us suddenly this morning.' A big man with black beard and bushy eyebrows. A bit of his ear had been shot or cut out, Shepard replied. Jenks. One of Bing Leggett's border hawks. You have his name right. And who may Bing Leggett be? He's an outlaw. Jenks has been trying to lead you into a trap. Likely he expected those engines to show up a day or two ago. Something went wrong with the plan, I reckon. Maybe he was waiting for five Shawnees, and maybe he'll never see three of them again. Something suggestive, cold, and grim, and the last words did not escape the listeners. How far are we from Fort Henry? asked Shepard. Eighteen miles as the crow flies.